Editing Ryan here. Before we start today's podcast, I would like to notify our listeners that today in this podcast, I will actually be talking about sexual assault. So if this can trigger you, I would advise you to possibly not listen to today's episode. I'm your host, Ryan. Here today, I'm reviewing the new Netflix show, Grand Army. Grand Army is a show created by Katie Palio following five high schoolers at Grand Army, a New York high school. It follows a closeted Indian jock, a sexually driven Chinese girl with white Jewish parents, an African-American saxophone player, I, th- I think that's what he plays, and a Haitian-American first-generation college applicant, and a white popular girl. This show deals with racism, sexism, rape culture, as well as the other plethora of Gen Z issues, shakily, at best, I'll get into it. And I'm also adding a comparison section to this after I talk about characters, because I think we all know this show is like Euphoria, but Netflix style. (laughs) So I finally get to talk about Euphoria, um, because usually when I could talk about it, my old co-host, I would be like, oh, Ryan, you're so obsessed with it, but I finally get to talk about it, so very excited to finally talk about it. but let's get into the show. So before I talk about comparisons, I'm going to just look at the show by itself, and then when I get to comparisons, I'll be comparing to Euphoria, but let's get into the show. The vibe of the show. The vibe, okay, this show is, it's good. It's good, but it's bad, but the vibe is there. And I think I think they did well with this vibe of because they they marketed the show as a very like I guess gritty and realistic portrayal. Would I say that's true throughout all the characters? Maybe. I'm not sure. Obviously, I guess the closest character that I could relate to would be the closeted Indian Jaw character. But when we get to characters in arcs, I'm gonna talk about how I don't relate at all. But I think I think it did well with the vibe of the realism because for for a good amount of the characters, for the popular white girl, her name is Joey. And in the show, in the third episode, Joey she's coming home from a movie and she's with three dudes and they're all getting in a cab and she's try and she's trying to make one of the boys jealous for some reason i i genuinely for it's like because she likes him or something so she starts making out with the two other boys and then they start to sexually assault her while the boy that she was trying to make jealous when kissing the other two dudes just is just watching this happen it's it's very horrible to see and the way the show plays out from there like how her character deals with this i think just, I guess, personally for me watching it, I thought it was pretty good. It, like, I think it really, well, I guess, in my opinion, obviously, I think it did really show what sexual assault survivors go through, like, psychologically, because throughout the show, throughout the rest of the episodes, there's lots of, like, psychological damage seen onto this character. So I think they did very good job with that. That's obviously just one example, but the other characters, for example, the Haitian American character, her name is Dom. I, she's my favorite character. I'll talk about her when we get into characters, but I think possibly it was a very 
very gritty and realistic vibe because so she's gonna be a first generation college applicant student and her family is always strapped for cash so she is always hustling she's always working she's pushing herself inside and outside of school I think just from all her dialogue I think she says something along the lines of how like she takes like three or four three APs or something like that which is a lot of APs uh and then outside of school she is trying to get an internship in psychology which made me like her more because I am also a psychology boy I love learning about psychology and she also runs um a business doing hair for other girls and I think just how it shows like her balancing it through or balancing all these things and then uh, continually through the show actually crumbling uh they do a very good job so I think the vibe is actually really there. Uh, I actually kind of want to move into the lighting and cinematography. So the cinematography ain't that amazing. It's just normal. It's whatever. It's like no big deal. Who cares? Whatever, right? It's like nothing special. Not really. But the lighting, the lighting and actually the music of the show is very good. I want to compare it to Euphoria, but I'm not going to yet. So... I'll say this, the lighting is very good in some scenes. Some scenes, it's just like basic. It's basic lighting. Like when these characters are in school, it's just normal school lighting. So it's like nothing big, nothing fantastic. But there are scenes where, for example, characters are at a party or they're talking at night. And I think the lighting actually works really well. There's actually a scene with the character Dom and this boy that she likes, John, they're talking in a bathroom and there's two there's like so there's one light source coming from the window and I maybe the word is ambient it's like a very ambient white light that's kind of like lightly projecting on their face so you can like solely just see their face and everything like else about their body is like in the darkness so it's just like you're focusing on their facial features which I think is very good because um I think they really use the lighting for intimate scenes or like for the character, the sexually driven Chinese girl with uh, two white Jewish parents. So she is, and not comparing to Euphoria, <laughs> she is going on her own sexual journey. And there are, there's a scene where she's in this, um, I guess the theater, that's what it's called. <laughs> and it's like pink lighting. And it's very good because it's just, it's like ambient pink lighting. So it's just really like kind of only showing her face and then this other boy in the room. And it's just them talking and them making out. So I think the lighting and the cinematography and the vibe and the music work really well. The fashion, the show, the fashion is okay. It's like, it's not like the best thing ever. It's not bad, but it's not like good. It's just, I guess, it's like normal teen show stuff. It's not like, so, wow, oh my goodness, or like, oh, this is so basic. It's like, I guess, very normal, and they all make sense to their characters. I guess what kind of doesn't make sense to their characters would be, I guess, kind of the, so the, the character Dom she has these like really nice pieces obviously the show is obviously fantastical like it's realistic for some parts like the plot for example but like 
not for the clothing or the makeup or whatever. Because, like, she wears some, like, really nice pieces that, like, she just wouldn't be able to pay for with all the other stuff that she has to pay for. Because, actually, you learn in the pilot episode, which is a good way to get into plot, um, the character Jay, who's the saxophone player, him and his friend Owen, like, steal her her wallet with $200 in it because she was, I think she says she hustled for the $200 because she was going to pay for a deadline for two of her younger siblings to, I think, I think do fencing or something like that. It was like to do a sport or something. Obviously, I guess, like she wouldn't like, I guess, have the money to buy like, I guess, Supreme or Gucci or Chanel or something like that, you know? Like, I'm not sure if she was wearing any of those like a uh, few brands I just named, but it was like it seemed like a very like name brand, very like like for some reason it's like a three thousand dollar piece of clothing. <laughs> but yeah, in into plot now because I want to talk about plot. Okay, so I guess the plot there there's five plots, obviously because there's five characters. There is I'm well, I'm just gonna link names. So the closeted Indian jock, his name is Sid. The sexually ch- the sexually driven Chinese girl, her name is Layla. I think it's pronounced Layla, not Leela. So Layla, the African-American saxophone player, his name is Jay, the Haitian-American first generation. All right, so her name was Don. D- Dom, D-O-M. It's short for Dominique. And the white poppy girl, her name is Joey. So there's five plots. What was really interesting about the show, and I actually did read a little while I was actually creating the, I guess, the opening about what I'm going to talk about when talking about this. So the character Joey is, I guess, pulled from the creator Katie Capaleo, uh, screenplay, or not screenplay, sorry, just play, period, called Slut, which is a critique of rape culture and slut shaming that has been performed in high schools around the country. So... Oh yeah, that was a quote from IndieWire. IndieWire, don't sue me. Katie, don't sue me. I'm I'm falling under some legal reason to talk about this, especially since obviously it's just audio. But anyways, back to the point. So Joey, she has like her own plot that isn't connected to any of the other characters. Like besides, I think the pilot episode and the last episode, episode nine called Freedom, she doesn't really interact with other mains. Like, and really, they don't really interact. Like, the, fi- the five mains don't really interact with each other. Like, I know I shouldn't compare it to Euphoria, but I'm going to just throw in this small comparison. In Euphoria, the, the main seven characters do interact with each other more or less a good amount of the time. In this show... They don't. They, like, know each other. Like, so, for example, the reason that the character Sid, who is the closeted jock, and Joey know each other is because Sid is a swimmer. And some of Sid's teammates are Joey's friends. And that's, like, how they're connected. Like, Sid doesn't really know Joey. Uh, And then another example can be, I don't know, let's just do Joey and Layla. So... The reason that they know each other is because one of Joey's friends, in quotes, this is, it's, it's one of the guys who raised her, it's disgusting. His name is George. 
he hooks up with Layla a few times throughout the show. And the reason that they're kind of connected is because Layla doesn't like Joey because she views Joey as a slut, which is like, how feminist of you, Layla? Two thumbs up, like, (laughs) trash. But yeah, so yeah, they kind of just do their own thing. But uh, I'm finally actually going to talk about plot. I'm going to start with Joey. Joey's plot, as I talked about in the five of the show, I think it's really, I think her plot is really good. So in the first few episodes, you kind of see her just being like a popular white girl. She's a popular, skinny, attractive white girl who has a lot of influence on her school. She's a, she's a dance. She's a dancer on, I think, cheerleading. So she's just like, the, the quote perfect girl and then in episode three she is coming home from the movies with these three the three friends and then the two friends rape her in the car and then she plummets it's i don't know if, like obviously if it could be relatable to any uh, sexual assault survivors but personally for me i thought it was a good visual show of what it does to someone because she falls into this really deep dark depression she just doesn't want to go to school but she kind of still goes anyways and she's just kind of like but she's not she's living but not really and it's really horrible to see and like for example I guess this would be back more on the cinematography so I guess there's uh in the in the beginning of episode four Joey's walking and just the way that the camera shoots and all these sounds are being heard it makes it seem like Joey's being watched by everyone, which I couldn't tell if that was actually what was happening or how she was just visually imagining it, because obviously um, all these videos of her being uh, sexual, I guess, in the the night before, because before she gets sexually assaulted, she's making out with the two boys who sexually assaults her, and they're recording it and posting it on Instagram, and then she also has a dildo because in the movies she, they saw a guy and she went up to the dude and she's like what's in your briefcase or whatever because in the pilot episode there's a bomber and so they think oh this guy's gonna bomb uh the movie theater and so now he has sex toys in there so she gets a dildo from him and she's being like all sexual with the dildo in these videos so i couldn't tell if it was like all these people making fun of joey for being or if it was just how Joey perceived it. And throughout throughout this plot of her doing that, she she actually drops out of school. She drops out of um, Grand Army. And she goes to this Catholic school. This is more like episode eight and nine, but she, so she goes to school and it's really sad. And then at the, actually at the end of episode four, her sister finds out because when she sexually assaulted, her uh, underwear is like ripped apart and um, there's blood on it and it's really horrible. And her sis, her little sister Nina, one of her little sisters, uh, finds it. And then the mom fig- like talks to Joey and Joey's like, um, she says, "I was raped. They raped me," or something along the lines. Paraphrasing that, but she does say, "I was raped," and so she stops going to school. And throughout the show, she's just, I guess, she's trying, she's trying to fight them because obviously she wants to get justice for the fact uh, these two characters, the the characters Luke and the characters George, 
with the two sexual assaulters and this character Tim I guess was a bystander so yeah and you see Joey throughout the show she goes to therapy and she actually says that she feels like she's betraying her friends by turning them in because uh, like after she stops going to Grand Army the characters Luke and George I'm not sure if Tim because they don't show Tim on screen like I think it might be insinuated that they all go they get arrested by the police and then like yeah where was I going with yeah she says that she was being she feels like she's betraying her friends for arresting them even though it was them who I'm not sure if I'm not sure if I actually had that line where it I have in my notes it says uh, especially when Joey says that she feels like she's betraying her friends even though they betrayed her. I'm not sure if I said that or she said that, but anyways, that is true. They betrayed her. They betrayed her trust. They violated her trust. And so she starts to like more or less fight the boys and she's trying to, I guess, figure out how she can move on from this. She drops out of school and then she goes to this Catholic school. And actually there she meets another character. Her name is Sylvie who has also been raped. And so she finds solace in that character. It's it's in like the ninth episode, which is the last episode of the season. I think the biggest thing is the fact that actually, and I think this is a very realistic portrayal of what happened. Uh, so Joey is on a run because she has nothing else to do and she's running and she's running and she, I think, I guess she passes the police person because I would know like what else would happen. And she sees the characters, George and Luke, who sexually assaulted her, step out of the police precinct, and she has a full-blown panic attack, which, again, I think is a very realistic thing because every time she sees them, she is reliving this trauma. And I guess that kind of makes me want to revert back to episode four for a second. So George and Luke at first think they did nothing wrong or makes it seem like they genuinely don't think they did anything wrong, which obviously shows how disgustingly messed up American society is that boys think that like doing that is okay because it genuinely doesn't seem like in later episodes like you can kind of tell that they're like no that didn't happen and you can kind of see the fact that they're cracking the so the first episode after everything goes down they're just being all nice and they're like hey joey how are you today oh you're good girl that's cool oh we have to read the great gatsby can you tell me about it so i don't fail class whatever and i'm just like no this is a no it's like gross it's disgusting it's horrible especially because you actually see joey like with with the camera movement like how she's reliving this but back to the episode that I was just talking about before, where Joey's on this run, she has a panic attack because she learns that Luke and George, and I think obviously this, every, as you hear me talking about this, you uh, you might have seen this coming, but they get released. She she tries, she has tried everything, or I guess not everything yet because she continues to try uh, after this, but she does a rape kit and she files a police report uh, and the boys still get away with it, which is really sad and really disgusting. And again, it is obviously showing 
American society about how because um all three of the boys have a very they they are staying solid on what happened or what they are saying happened so it would be like a three versus one and especially put in that position she's a girl and obviously in our American society if you're a white man and a woman accuses you of rape kind of doesn't matter because you have all the power and I guess I should clarify the character Luke he's white I think the character George I I'm not sure if he I don't think he's white I think he might be half white may half Latinx I genuinely cannot tell and somehow if the actor is actually listening the actor who plays George um, if I'm getting your race wrong, I am genuinely sorry, but I don't think that he, he is not fully white. I know that for sure. But the fact that I think the fact that Luke, he's white and the character Tim, he's also fully white. Just the fact that they just already have power over Joey being a white man, which is horrible. And so after this, she continues fighting. She goes to a lawyer's office and she, after she sees George, Tim and Zach leave, I guess the police precinct or whatever, and she's trying to fight back, that, but she, she can't do anything else because the only way that she has a case is if one of the boys changes the statements. Also, I think that's a good turning point for her character. And just so, I'm just going to say this now because I am going to talk about a turning point for another character. A turning point is when a character makes a decision which changes kind of the direction. It usually does a few things. It usually gives insight to the audience and the character, surprises the audience and character, and usually sends the plot in a new direction or a direction or an unexpected direction. So I'm just going to say that because when I talk about Sid, I'm also going to be talking about turning points. But yeah, Joey, I think she did like her character arc and her character plot, I think was done very very well because at the end she actually finally i think she finds a little a little happiness because she goes to a dance class because after she gets sexually assaulted she stops going to dance class but in the end she goes to a dance class and she's like really she's really bringing it like she's really i guess feeling she looks like she's happy which makes me happy watching her because her character arc was difficult to see her go through that. And she was, well, I guess this is obvious symbolism, but she was dancing to the song Freedom. I'm not sure who it's by, though. That is also the episode, that's the last episode of, but I have talked about Joey. Let us move on to our next character, Dom. My favorite character, 100%. So Dominique, throughout the show, okay. It's very, I don't know. Like, I really like it because you can obviously kind of guess how her plot is going to go because she obviously is kind of like just, she has so many things that she's juggling in the air and just the fact that you can already guess that she's going to crumble and she does. But I think, I think it possibly might come a little too big. Like, like seeing her crumble, I guess, because... She does, I guess, dropping the ball, in a sense, for certain things. Like, for example, she, what, I think, I think the first, 
inciting incident of her dropping the ball, I think would be like episode seven. Because in the show, like Dom is just doing things. And then uh, I, I forget, I forget how she is related to Dom. But this character, I think, I think is the character Sabine. She falls and she hurts her back. So she did, because uh, she, um, she works as, I think, a nurse or caretaker for uh, elderly citizens. I'm not exactly sure. But she literally can't, she can't work now, obviously, because she has hurt her back. So Dom has to start helping out by making money for the household as well. And she actually does it through very entrepreneurial ways. For example, she starts selling hair cream to her gym team, which I think that scene was actually pretty good because she she um sets it up in the locker room. And then her coach, like, it's like her coach is about Buster. And then the coach, like, looks at it and she's like, oh, I'll take two. And it's, like, kind of funny and cute. And so, yeah. And then she is also doing hair for other girls. I think the biggest, I think the first one saying incident is actually, so uh, these, I guess, these rich girls know that she's doing hair. And so then, uh, like, they're like, the only time we can do is this time. And that is when Do- Dominique has a basketball game. because She's also doing basketball as well. Like, yeah, th- this girl has a lot on her plan. I'm just going to say, I guess, everything that she does. I think she takes, like, three AP classes. She is going after psychology internships. She plays basketball. She sells her own hair cream. She does hair. And... I don't know. I got seven things on my hands. Maybe I'm counting her three AP classes as three individual things because I think a a single a singular AP class, depending well, I guess depending on what it is. I take psychology AP, so I understand like how difficult it can be because it's like a lot of reading, a lot of memorization for a lot of terms. So she has a lot on her plate, and then obviously now she has to continue hustling because I think. For her character, her, I guess, like, side business of selling hair cream and doing hair is kind of just like a side business, not, like, like a necessity until the character Sabine hurts her back. And then just, like, yeah. Then she has to, like, really start doing it. But I just, I just kind of wish that we saw more crumb, like, oh, wait, and also, I forgot, she, she's in a relationship with um, a dude, John Ellis, but she's also possibly, well, no, it's, like, later, it's, like, the family's trying to figure out a way how to make money, and one of the things is this family is going to have Dominique marry their son uh, so that he can get his green card for the states, and then his family would pay Dominique's family ten thousand dollars so she has to grapple with that decision as well so that's like a lot of things on her plate i kind of wish that we saw her crumble or at least start dropping the ball earlier because obviously it starts off with small things like missing a basketball game and then she misses a calculus test because she went to do an internship and then she doesn't study for an a push test and then i think I don't think she cheats, but it looks like she's about to cheat, and the teacher catches her, so she starts slipping. She never, I don't think, like, really fully, like, crumbles, where, like, she has moments, like, where she's with her friends, and she's like, 
she says something along the lines of how she just can't catch a break and she can't catch up, which is very obvious because she is literally balancing so, so many things. It's like horrible. It's horrible. But I kind of just wish that we saw it earlier. And also, for a gritty and realistic show, I just feel like the end of the, the end of her character arc should end on kind of like a more ambiguous note. Because it ends on a happy note of her going to prom with the character John Ellis, who I think they become boyfriend-girlfriend if they haven't been already. But let's move on to the next character. Let's, hmm. I don't know. Let's go with, let's go with Jay. So Jay is, uh, he's a saxophone player. And so he has his best friend, Owen, and they're like saxophone buddies. And they're just kind of like saxophoning it up. And they're trying to get into this all-state competition where they were playing this orchestra for like 500 people or whatever, or something like that. And then, so in the pilot episode, him and Owen, Jay, Jay and Owen, like kind of mess around by taking Dom's wallet from her purse and playing around with the wallet, just like tossing it during a bomb threat, like a literal bomb threat. So like, not like a drill or anything. And it's just like, from there, they get in trouble, obviously. Which I guess, okay, side note. So this is the part where Joey, before she slides into depression pretty much, before she gets sexually assaulted. But Joey tests, or she, well, she doesn't test against Owen and Jay, but she like is trying to speak up. And I'm just thinking in my head, girl, like, close your mouth you know how much trouble they're gonna get into if a white girl blames them for doing something bad like sis check your privilege you are so screwing them over which actually is what happens like so they both get suspended and then owen gets like kind of like a trial date to see if he will come back to school or not and so then when this trial thing happens, because, so, Jay gets suspended, I think, for seven days or something like that, uh, and then Owen has this hearing, Joey obviously doesn't show up to it, because this is after Joey has been sexually assaulted, so Dom is kind of there, or Dom, well, Dom is there, obviously, because she is, in a sense, testifying against Owen, but she actually is, She's trying to be like, no, it was fine, Owen didn't do anything wrong, especially because Jay and Owen actually do pay back Dominique, so, and I keep using, I keep interchanging Dom and Dominique. I hope that's okay with all, all you listeners. I'm really sorry if it's really annoying that I'm saying Dom and Dominique sometimes. But anyways, so Dom is just trying to like, she's like, no, it's fine. He didn't do anything bad, blah, blah, blah. And then Jay accidentally kind of just pretty much says what this, I guess, council of two people needs to hear, which then gives Owen a 60-day suspension, which makes... Jay obviously very sad and it gets worse for Jay because then you learn out, you learn out, you find out <laughs> that Owen got a spot at the All-State Champion or All-State Competition, whatever, uh, for playing the saxophone and Jay gets an alternate. And now Jay can take Owen's place, which obviously puts more friction on their relationship. So it's just like, it's just really sad to see for him because Jay has to choose between, I guess, his friend or what he thinks is doing right by his friend by, like, not taking the position and doing, in a sense, what he needs to do to, I guess, his dad references Juilliard to, like, because 
uh, well, I guess I should give the context of Jay starts to become more socially active, and by, I guess, socially active, I guess, social politically active. He, I should just say this, he joins the BSU. And so in the BSU, which I guess the main characters, or, well, I guess Dom is in that, and then her boyfriend, John Ellis, who I think might be the president. I'm not exactly sure. Just finally taking a stance against Grand Army's casual racist attitude towards uh, Black students. So he joins the BSU and he starts to become socially, politically active. And he actually helps, or he doesn't help, he actually organizes a sit-in for the classroom, or uh, for the classroom, the school, where he's doing a sit-in for all all the kids who have pretty much got like racial racially biased consequences for similar actions that their white counterparts have gone and there there's a part where him oh i forget i think john ellis is there and then uh this other girl i think her name is tamika i i think that's her name which i think I think Jay and her are dating. I can't tell. They're like in a flirtationship, possibly. I'm not exactly sure. They're friendly and they're nice and whatever. But anyways, the point is, uh, it, there's a little conversation between those three and their principal. And Jay in, is pointing out like all these things that I guess the, the, the white kids kind of get preferential treatment on. Like they don't get like dress code as easily and consequences for the bad things that they do is not as heavily punished. So also this takes place in 2020. And so you actually learn that, uh, so in the BSU, these characters are like, so th there's this dance and the dance is to raise money to go to Pennsylvania to register voters. And so then this, like, I guess it's, cause they're commenting on the election that is taking place right now also. Because I think this will get out before... I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it will. Vote. If you haven't voted already, vote. doesn't matter who you're voting for, but vote. That's going to be my little thing. But anyways, back to the thing. They're talking about the 2020 election and how if they go to Pennsylvania, they're going to register all these voters, presumably Black voters. It's not specifically said, but, you know, that's, that's what I'm guessing as they're at the BSU they're going to register those voters so that hopefully that they can swing Pennsylvania to, I guess, be a blue state. So I like how he's showing agency in action. And then at the end, he does actually one last protest, which I think is possibly like, I think it's a very interesting end. It's like the last scene of the whole show. It's so Jay does take up the thing where he's going to be like, okay, I'm going to go uh, I guess, play for the uh, Allstate. And that halfway through this performance, he stops, he stands up, he has a painter's tape, and he's covering his mouth, and he is raising his right fist, and it's a shot of him behind, and that's what cuts the ending as it, as it is, I'm assuming, a protest for uh, not only just Owen, but as I have said before, uh, kids who have gotten the who have gotten racially biased consequences compared to the white counterparts. Now moving on. So the next character I want to talk about, the Chinese girl. So her name is Leila. So she is this adopted girl 
who who's a freshman in the show actually which okay so all these characters are different like i guess levels in high school but it it's very weird and it's very not obvious for example layla is a freshman but she does not look like a freshman she looks like she's a junior i think jay is a junior but he looks more like a freshman dom makes sense for her to be a junior she looks like a junior sid he is a senior i think it makes sense for him and then same with joey she's also a senior and i think that makes sense for her but i think no she's a junior she's a junior which she looks like a senior but yeah but anyways back to Layla. so she is this girl and she's trying to find her place and fit in and make friends because literally so when this bomb threat goes off she is found in the hallway crying she's found by Sid and she's just like she's just like she's just saying how the school is shit and how people treat others like quote fucking garbage and how she just hates everyone and every everyone hates her which I think is it's very relatable for high school I could say that lots of other people lots of people treat other people like garbage in high school it's I guess very obvious and very relatable if you stepped into any American high school you could easily see it. even in the ones where it's all about like being friends with everyone you can easily see it but it's her and then it's her going on this sexual journey so for for example well I guess what really kicks it off is the fact that so she goes to this party in this pilot episode where she meets this guy George which I've already mentioned him and she starts making out with him because she ends up on this list by the swim team called the 50 bomb ass pussies or something like that pretty much saying how she's like fuckable so that's nice and the okay now i'll talk about that when i get to sid but sid is kind of the reason that she's on that list but so she's now one of the 50 most bomb ass pussy girls great that's so nice because the, the the swim team guys are quote so woke but you know do trash like this and so then she's making out with George and it's kind of like her falling into this relationship kind of relationship with George where she's I guess learning how to be sexual because in the coming episodes she's in class, like I was thinking, girl, are you watching this in class? She's learning how to give a hand job in class. Like, while well, the teacher is talking about whatever, I don't even know what. But she's she's looking on how to do that because she's obviously gonna do that with George. So yes, it's like wow. Obviously, I'm not gonna compare anything yet. But if you've watched before, yeah, I think you know where this might go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like her sexual journey. And what was very interesting about her was the fact that she, like, okay, so there would be times where it cuts to animation of how she's feeling. So we learned that she's an artist, which I feel like should be brought up more for our character. But I guess the point is, so there's all these animations, and they always have to do with zombies for some reason, which I think it might be on the fact of, like, she sees other people as zombies of kind of, like, they're like, I guess, how how do I describe? Because I, I know how it makes sense. It's like, people these people are zombies to the American high school system, if that makes sense. So yeah, there's that, which it's just, 
it kind of feels weird intercutting that with all the show because it's it's very imaginative and it's very creative and it's very easy to just see how and what she is thinking but that doesn't happen for any of the other characters and I feel like it's very choppy the way it works and I feel like it just kind of breaks everything up that like you're it's just like normal scenes and then blam it's her like doing whatever and like usually it ends up with lots of blood or violence genuinely even for me like I am a person who can watch Deadpool or like very like bloody films it's like I'm fine but there I think it was like the last the last animation of this there's a part where her animated character becomes a zombie or something just tears out someone's like eyeball and jugular vein and I was watching that and I was like whoa that's a little that's a little too much for me even though it was very similar to all these animations before so um, I think it was very good I think the animation did serve its purpose I just felt like it was very weird to throw that in to just the whole show because the animation is very like surrealistic and this isn't really a comparison but I feel like it's the only way to say it. Like, the animation looked like it was Euphoria animated. And then the show normally just doesn't have, I guess, the same color palette as Euphoria. But, yeah. So, that's kind of, like, what her journey is. And then, so, we learned that, obviously, she's into art. And then she joins this um, play. I forget what it's called. But it's written by this girl named Mira, who is the little sister to the character Sid. And it's all about the female pleasure. And I was just thinking about this. I'm like, the most unrealistic part isn't the fact that it's about female pleasure out of high school. I think the most unrealistic part, I guess this is like a side note, is the fact that Mira is writing and directing it. Because genuinely, I don't know any place that would allow a freshman to write and direct a, like a play. Like at my school, no guys are allowed to write any plays. I know um, one of our sister schools Girls are allowed to write plays and direct them as seniors, but that's it. So I think that was like the only thing. But yeah, so Layla, she she gets the role of the understudy of the main character, and then she actually does get the main character because I think the because I guess the person who was going to take on her character was like, lol, I got mono. So yeah, she. But then she does bad because it, there's like sign language in it. So that is sad to see her go. And so then it's just like her, it's like her getting pissed off at the world. Like every time she tries to think, it just gets her more pissed off. Like for example, there's these Chinese girls, which, okay, shout out to the costume department. Like I saw you, I saw you costume department. So there's the, the three Chinese girls who make fun of her, or maybe it was four, they were dressed as the Heathers because there was quote, there was quote 80s day. So the mean girls were dressed as Heathers. And I was like, costume department, I see this. I see this visuals. Like, round of applause, costume department. Anyways, it's like, Layla cannot catch a break with anyone because everyone seems to, like, really hate her. Which is kind of, which makes sense because she's kind of a shitty person. Like, for example, when she's trying to, I guess, be nice at the end, she's, like, trying to apologize to people. There's this girl, Rachel, who she's best friends with in the first few episodes. She's, she's like, oh, Rachel, you were so, I needed you, or whatever. Or, no, no, She's like, oh, I miss you, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. And then she says something along the lines of, like, you weren't there for me. 
you were selfish and you weren't there for me. And I was like, Layla, you're veering. Like, don't. Like, stop. You need to, like, stop. And so, just, like, the fact... She, because she talks to um, a rabbi, and the rabbi is, like, she's she tells Layla, like, oh, girl, you gotta say sorry to people. And Layla tells the rabbi, like, I want... I feel bad. I feel... She says that she, she calls herself slutty trash. Like, she feels badly about herself, but she doesn't understand how to do an apology. And it makes it feel like these apologies are not, like, they aren't genuine apologies, which I feel like should make sense because I feel like that's what she wants. But it's just more of, like, her feeling good about herself. So that was really, really weird. But, okay, unlike Dom and like Joey, she does have a very, like, ambiguous ending where George, after everything that happens at the end, like, pretty much the last scene, texts her. And you can't, like, really tell what's going to happen because she kind of just leaves on blank and then she, like, smiles or whatever and then goes back to this boy, Omar, which, like, is this guy who's been pursuing her throughout the whole show. And he's really nice, actually. Like, he's, I think, the assistant director to the play about uh, female pleasure. The point is, it kind of has a very unambiguous ending with her kind of, like, leaving George on the line and then her hooking up with Omar because she actually does start hooking up with Omar which it was a little weird it was a little amb- ambiguous but the last of the seven or seven five characters Sid so his full name is Siddharth but he goes by Sid he I guess has gotten deferred from Harvard swim team so he is the older brother to the character Mira and he's gay and that's why I want to talk about so as I talked about last week with how I loved Claire and how I was really scared with Sid and how they're going to deal with a coming out being gay story, I was really scared that they were not going to handle this well. And I was sadly right. But I thought, you know how this could be done? So there were so many inciting incidents that I was like, trash, garbage, girl, like, you're trash, you're no, I can't can't deal with this. So first thing, nothing about him being gay is in episode one, which I genuinely think is the fact that uh, the, the writer of the show, Katie, was just like, oh, I'm not sure if being gay will get past being a pilot. Because in the first episode, the only thing you know is he, he doesn't want to do the sex, which does not mean that he's gay. Because people are like, oh yeah, man, you wanna, like, it's cool that you wanna stay a virgin. Like, genuinely, maybe his character does wanna stay a virgin. Maybe his character finds sex to only be seen or only be done in marriage, which is obviously fine. It's a fine thing. I, I actually know some people who are like, I wanna wait till marriage. And I'm like, cool, you do that. Like, I'm not gonna make fun of you. Like, live your life. That's cool. But, it's because he's gay, obviously. And so, another thing. So, okay, right now, uh, personally for me, I'm writing college apps. Actually, as I am filming, or I guess recording this podcast, right after this, I will be finishing up some college apps for some colleges. And obviously, the point of that is this. Sin talks about being gay in his college app, which is fine. It's a, it's 100% okay. Like, but in me, I'm t- I talked a little about my sexuality, but here's the thing. Sid wants to get into Harvard, and he writes a whole thing about how he is a closeted gay person. I can tell you right, well, 
obviously I'm not a missions counselor, but I can guess writing an essay about being gay because his situation isn't bad. It's not like he, it's not like he's got gone kicked down the streets or he's like suicidal or anything because it's like being gay somehow is a big issue for him, but it's not a big issue for him because it's somehow at times really hyped up to be a big issue. And at other times it's like gay who, if that makes sense. So it's just a very flip-floppy issue on that part. And so he writes, he kind of writes about his um, identity, his racial identity, because the, the person who blows themselves up, the bomb threat uh, person, they're Muslim. And so Sid kind of talks about how he kind of makes like all these motifs about blowing up or like, like walls crashing down and he relates that to if he were to come out, which I don't know, just hearing him say his essay, just, just for me, obviously, uh, you know, an admissions counselor would probably think differently than senior in high school kid would think. But hearing that, I was just like, this ain't it. This ain't it. Like, He's like supposed to be talking about like um I forget I forget what it says but his admissions counselor at the school is like oh I just really like you need to write something that's like, extremely extremely powerful in just the way that it's written I just don't, I don't think it's powerful I think it could have been powerful because there are probably because okay here here's the thing it there's no setup in the sense that his parents are homophobic. But he always says, like, oh, what about my... Like, he kind of says it. He kind of says about his parents, but not really. And it's, like, kind of assumed by the fact that he obviously had his sexuality. But it's not, like, there's no setup. Like, his parents aren't, like, oh, gay people. They suck. They're trash. And this family, uh, because uh, I was actually talking talked to my friend Nick who obviously has been on the podcast we reviewed Never Off Ever if you haven't listened to that one go listen to it that was a really fun one talking to Nick but anyways I was talking to him about Indian culture and being gay in it and so Nick told me he said in traditional Indian culture yes being gay is kind of detrimental but in Indian American culture it could be less detrimental which is what I guess his family is they I think they actually do say that they're Indian American. Like Sid, Sid says like a first generation Indian American gay son. It's like, okay, I guess I should say this. So I guess even though the, 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 he describes himself as Indian American, they could still believe in traditional Indian culture values and being gay could be bad, right? But here's the thing. His, his sister, his little sister, Mira, is writing a play about sexual pleasure for women. And his parents, I'm pretty sure, know about it. And they, they support Mira because she also does art. She does art about sexual pleasure. And his par- his, uh, the parents are chill with it. They are 100% chill. So it obviously seems like these parents are more, I guess, flexible when it comes to sexuality. And so it's just that's kind of one of the first things that really felt weird and rocky about Sid's character. A second thing, he's again another very hyper masculine, heteronormative jock type character with this girlfriend named Flora. And I think she's actually pretty nice. Sadly, she has no personality. But so that's him, that's Sid. And just watching this, actually, I started writing something about how there, there is a detriment to, keep, to pretty much portraying solely heteronormative, hyper masculine jocks as these main characters 
coming of age realizing they're gay because it because it kind of makes it like I guess seem like being gay juxtaposes their masculinity which it doesn't because sexuality does not have to do with anything with femininity or masculinity because you can be a very feminine straight person or very masculine gay person and so this the show pushing the idea that that somehow being gay equals being feminine which obviously that is true uh in society's eyes that society pushes the idea okay you're gay you're feminine period end of statement which it's just it's true that society says that but i guess the fact that sid has no feminine qualities besides the quote fact being gay is his quote feminine quality just feels weird because all these other characters have feminine and masculine qualities but sid only has masculine traits he is into swim he has a very like brotherly uh, like protective way about his sister mira like for example there's this boy hitting on her named orlov who comes back to bite sid in the butt and he's like being like very like bro about it if you know what i mean it's just like he's being a very flat jock character but you're supposed to sympathize with him which made it very hard to do it's like just because he's gay i'm not going to sympathize with him i know gay people who are mean i'll be like oh you're you're a terrible person oh but you're gay that's totally fine like no the, these characters i'm going to keep saying sid because obviously this can relate to other characters but sid should not just get penance because he is gay that is dumb and that is stupid and that also and then okay another another thing that i didn't really like about the show so there's this character victor who okay i learned that he's bisexual i thought he was gay but he's a bisexual so standing the bisexual victor i loved him but i didn't get to know a lot about him but as you can guess if you put two gay men on the screen i'm pretty sure everyone knows what happens they get together at the end which okay was already so weird it was very weird with sid because every scene with sid talking about sexuality with victor or anyone else just felt inorganic and it just felt like the writer was shoving words out of these characters not it did not make sense to what was happening it was really like weird i didn't like it because there's a very organic way to talk about sexuality and knowing yourself and i guess sexual orientation in an organic way like there are, there are ways to write that organically but these characters did not speak or i guess their dialogue was not organic so that was so so weird and then he he gets together with victor but it was so weird because the scene prior to him and victor kissing is the scene where so oh also i said i was talking about turning points before so i will be talking about that so the scene prior to them kissing is victor getting apologized to by sid because sid thinks that that his harvard essay about being gay was leaked so many people would say hey that's a turning point for his character it's not and it's so disgusting to see it's just so it just personally it pisses me off so much to see all these characters be forced out of the closet it's like do you, do you writers not know how to write a coming out scene coming out scenes are imperative they should be imperative in media because youth gay kids boy girl non-binary however they identify whatever their sexual orientation is but we don't get to really see scenes of these characters coming out 
they are instead shoved out of the closet. And this, you would say, it's a turning point for the. It's not. He doesn't. He doesn't get the option to do that. It's so dumb. And it's. It really pissed me off. I already said that, but it really did. Because thinking about all these shows, I've talked about this before. Dear white people, the character Lionel, the uh, the creator of the show, Justin Simeon, who wrote that episode. Props to you, man. I I know you're probably not listening to this, but props to you because you actually wrote a good coming out scene for the character. The character got to come out on his own terms, not like anything else. Like, and th- I'm not going to compare it to Euphoria, but I'm comparing it to other shows. Love Victor, love Simon, even though they're kind of one and the same. Uh, oh, another, another good example of coming out, uh, the, the character Todd on BoJack Horseman. When you see Todd get come out as asexual, that was another great scene. But Sid was not it. Also, Another thing, which is actually very interesting, and I'm really confused on why they had it in this order, but so there's a part where Victor and Sid are pushed together because what you're going to do with two gay characters, you're going to shove them together and put them in a room, obviously. So there's a part where Victor and Sid are in psychology class, or they're doing a psychological experiment, and it's about like stimulus and reaction, whatever. And there's a part where Sid gets a boner. Victor's like, sorry, man. And he turns away, Victor's being all cool about the fact that Sid has a boner. But the weird thing about that scene is that scene comes after the fact that Sid... So Sid has a girlfriend, Flora. He breaks up with her in, I think, like, episode two, and then gets back together in episode four or something. I think that would have been more powerful to see him get back together with Flora after the boner scene, because it is him trying to instate the fact that he likes girls, and solely girls. And... Also, another scene I would genuinely cut out because there was no point to this except to show disgustingly how, like, I'm not sure if inept, I'm going to say that, I hope that's right, inept these writers are. There's a part where Sid goes on Grindr, and he meets this dude, and the dude's like, ooh, I want to give you a BJ. And he's like, cool, where do you want to go? And so then there's this scene where him and Sid are in this, I guess, dressing room of I don't even know where, and the kid gives Sid a blowjob. But like the pretty much the next Sid scene is him searching up, can you get STDs from a blowjob? Not gonna dive too much into it, but the fact that Sid was the one receiving the blowjob, as in his, I don't, I don't know how, you know what, this is, all my podcasts are explicit, I'm saying, his jizz went into the kid's mouth. He did not accept any of the jizz, so he, should not be worried about the fact of getting an STD because that's just pushing the idea that all game, well, I'm not sure if it, like, that was the point of the thing, but it's just like, is this another thing of trying to push the idea that all gay men have an STD? Like, no. Like, stop. Trash. That's gross. I don't want to see it. It's annoying. So, yeah, there's that, which I really hate. And then he puts Purell on his penis. And I was like, gross. But anyways, obviously, uh, he gets into Harvard being gay. He gets together with Victor. He ends, he ends like, like in a cohesive, like happy ending type thing, which I think is okay for him because I'm not sure if he'd be seen in season two because they do reference the coronavirus at the end of this because I think that the last episode, episode nine, takes place at the tail end of March, which is obviously when this whole thing started. So I think wrapping up Sid's character arc, like 
everything that Sid did was trash and I hate it, but I think not seeing him in season two will be a good because let me give a tidbit to any writers out there. I doubt they'll be listening, but I'll say this. If you have a gay character, do not put them with the other gay character. Give this gay character options because you can't just shove two gay characters together. That makes no sense unless they have organic chemistry. But we, we don't see that with Victor because we don't learn that much about him. I was talking about characters. I'm not sure if I was talking about plots or arcs. I was. Uh, I feel like the, I also talked about enough with the characters as well. So now I'm going to get into comparison. Editing Ryan here, if you don't want to hear the Euphoria comparison, go to 1 hour and 8 minutes and 30 seconds. This show is Euphoria Netflix style, 100%. The character Layla is the character Cat. The animation is just like the opening of the animation for Cat, uh, where it's talking about her writing. Euphoria did so much better when dealing with so many of these topics. Like, uh, in the show Euphoria, Euphoria doesn't talk about rape, obviously. But um, it's just, the, the similarities between these characters, like, for example, Sid. Sid is Nate. I have to, like, like, I hate Nate, and I hate Sid. But in a sense, I like Nate more. Like, I don't like Nate. Like, no one should like Nate. If you like Nate, like, you're crazy, and it's just because you, you, you're attracted to Jacob Lordy, which makes sense. But anyways, it's because Nate is a complex character. Um, and you, you genuinely don't know what his sexual orientation is. And I think because the show actually is said a show uh, without labels or whatever. So, yeah, there's that. Um, and you just, I guess, you learn more about the complexities of Nate than you do about Sid, which I was really sad about seeing with Sid. I really wanted to see more. And because I was like trying to place all these characters with other characters of Euphoria. Kat is Layla. The character Omar is obviously Ethan. I guess, he, like, I was kind of, I was like kind of putting these characters all together, but the characters Maddie, Cassie, and Jules kind of all on one of Joey, in a sense. They call, they all like have a, very like they're very similar to Joey. Like those four characters are very similar to each other. And then I like Dom is kinda similar to Rue, but not really. Like in a sense they're both struggling. Like the characters uh Dom and Rue are struggling to maintain a very important thing. Obviously with Rue it's her sobriety and with Dom it's making sure her family has enough money obviously pay for rent and food and such and the, the these characters plot lines aren't that similar really and i think it's good i like i guess i should say this you could i think the show could do well in a sense of very euphoria aesthetic like it's gritty like euphoria and they sh they're just obviously with euphoria like there was lots of nudity in it Maybe there was a little excess of nudity. I'm not sure. I personally think there was because I, I felt like there was unnecessary nudity in it sometimes. But if they went with the vein, in the vein of Euphoria, I think they could have had a better show because Euphoria explores characters. Grand Army explores plot lines, if that makes sense. Like with Euphoria, you obviously learn these characters' backstories in however much time is given to the backstory. Obviously, I'm going to say this for the character McKay. 
he needs a redone backstory because I did not learn that much for him, so I need more. Uh, Algie Smith's, like, he is awesome. I need his character to be awesome. Okay? But anyways, it's like you learn all about these characters, and with Grand Army, you don't, like, like, you learn about these characters, but you don't, like, have, like, a set knowledge, more or less, about these characters before. Well, I guess, obviously, you only learn about Rue in the first episode, but, like, you, you learn, you're given 10 minutes of backstory-ish, 10 minutes-ish of backstory for these characters, and in Grand, Grand Army, you aren't. So, I didn't like Dom, because I kind of related her to Rue, and I didn't like Joey, because her plot line was very different than Jules and Maddie's and Cassie's. They were all about confidence and confidence in yourself because say Jules's plot line is confidence in her femininity. Uh Cassie's plot line is confidence in herself. I would say I because like obviously she has uh fatherly issues. I well I wouldn't say really Joey and Maddie have similar plot lines, but they're all they would all, they're all kind of, like, it's like a Venn diagram of the four characters. They're all, been, like, very, I guess, like, similar in some ways. And I liked Joey's plotline because it was her own plotline. It wasn't ripped from Euphoria. Now, or, and same with Jay. Jay's plotline, because I would say I would, like, kind of relate him to McKay. And then I would kind of also maybe, like, a little bit with Nate because both Jay and Nate are fighting, not like fighting, Jay is actually fighting a racial system. Nate is kind of like fighting to, in a, in a sense, keep an orderly system that he's like concocted for himself. So I did like Jay's plot because it was his own plot. Now, Layla. Layla is cat, period. She becomes confident. She doing all this makeup, and she's becoming a mean person. The, the, those plots are very similar, and that's all I gotta say. And then, I know I'm missing a character. Sid, obviously. Sid. Okay. I guess you could kind of relate him. Like, I would want to say I re- would relate him to Nate, but, like, I'm not sure if I would want to relate him to Nate. But I would say, theoretically, I would like Sid's plot, because Sid's plot line is different than Nate plotline. But then again, as I have talked about extensively through this podcast, Sid is trash. His plot, well, I should say his plotline is trash. And you don't get the complexity that you do with Nate's character. Like, I think if they gave a little bit of backstory or just more of a setup on how his parents and his school would react, because obviously this isn't Sid's high, and that's how it works with finding out your sexuality. It's like you're scared about this thing about you and how it can change and rock everything around you. It's obviously very scary, but as I keep saying, Sid is basic. His plot is basic. Is the same thing as like Love, Victor. Or, you know what? 13 Reasons Why Monte de la Cruz, pretty much the same thing. Like, he's, like, pretty much like Monty. So, obviously, Monty is a rapist. So, like, I guess I compare it in the fact that there's a lot of, like, sexuality with with him and then the character Nate. But I guess, like, that's, like, the only comparison. Obviously, you can probably, like, search up so many other comparisons because um, the thing, the Inderwire quote that I quoted before, it talked about a little about Euphoria. But you could probably just search up Grand Army versus Euphoria. I bet you anything. But, yeah. 
Season two theories, then. I want to get into this. Also, welcome back to everyone who didn't listen to the comparisons. Welcome back. <laughs> season two theories. So, obviously, I'm not sure if this, this show has gone to season two, but I don't want to in season two. It would not make sense, especially if they're going to deal with coronavirus. I don't know how that would work, because obviously right now, as we're in coronavirus, so right now I'm a senior, and I was a junior when it began, so I guess I'd be in the place of Joey. So I, I don't know what this, I don't know what that's saying, really. I guess I was just saying, we, we shouldn't be seeing any of Sid, because Sid has just graduated, um, and I don't know what they would do with anything else, because no one wants to see a gritty plotline at home like of social distancing <laughs> like it's just there's no there's no plot line without the physicality of the school there and we can't go to school like i i know some schools are open around the state but right now for me I, i'm well my school is hybrid but i've chosen to stay virtually online i am not stepping foot in school if i do not need to i do not want to obviously get the virus and obviously this is like it's obviously my privilege that like I guess my school is allowing me to stay home and that I can actually still attend class but the point of that is I don't know what will happen but I'll say this without coronavirus I'm really intrigued to see what would happen with Jay's arc because what would happen like what would happen with him and Owen because Owen gets pissed at him for a spilling well pretty much spilling the beans and giving this uh, the administration counselor team whatever they need to expel him for six days and then he takes owen's spot in this comp or all-star competition something challenge i don't know he takes his spot owen's pissed and in a sense i i want to say jay's squandering it because he's obviously he's using it but in a sense he's what do i want to say that like, if he didn't do anything, he could have just gone a, like, a ride to Juilliard because he would have done amazing in the concert and whatever. But he decides to make the statement, and I want to see what the fallout of that is. Like, our school is going to be impressed or our school is going to be turned off by that. Like, how are his parents going to react? How is Grand Army going to react? Because they're obviously, as I'm talking about before, have very racially biased consequences it's just i want to see what happens at that point same with joey because i haven't said this yet but so we talk so i talk about how joey is going to try to fight back the lawyer says the only way is if one of the boys changes their statement and tim he's becoming a he's becoming smart he's gaining intelligence and he's like no i'm gonna speak out because so joey goes to actually see George, Luke, and Tim, and Anna, her ex-BFF, who sucks because she believes the boys and stuff, her best friend, like, girl, are you trash? And so uh, there you see Tim kind of realize, like, oh, my God, what am I doing? I'm, like, I'm literally covering for rapists. I'm insane. I am being absolute human garbage. And the last scene is Joey, she's dancing to freedom, and it's, like, all ethereal, and then you, it's intercut with Tim, like, like, pacing and being, like, angry and trying to call Joey. I'm guessing, assuming he's saying, like, Joey, I'm so sorry for everything that's happened. I just really want to come clean, and I want you to help, I, or I want to help you put 
George and Luke away? And I'd be like, yes. So very excited to see what happens with that. Like, I don't like have any specifics because I don't know how everything is going to play out, you know, because obviously uh, as I'm talking about coronavirus, I don't know what's going to happen. And then Layla. Okay. So my only like, I guess, concrete theory would be like, is she going to somehow meet her parents? Her, her like, uh, biological parents, like if it's through Zoom or through like IRL, because you learn that she takes a twenty-three in me account, or actually you don't. But I was being a smart, hawk-eyed person, and I saw that she got this email from twenty-three and me saying, "Thank you for setting up your account, Layla." So I wonder what, like, how that will play out, and I wonder how that will, I guess, rock her already family dynamic, because it could be a very interesting thing to see what happened but yeah like i don't as i keep saying i don't really have any other theories but yeah so this is this is my review on grand army next week i will be reviewing social distance as i did put out on my instagram and our podcast 2020 if you haven't sub or if you've not followed me follow me on that yeah but i'll be reviewing social distance so I am your host, Ryan. This is the NR Podcast. I will see you next week. Peace.